Take your Bible and go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and stand with me. I'll be reading verses 14, 15. I ask you to read aloud verse 16. So as all the people of God stand in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, this is our theme verse for the year, verse 16, and in the context of verses 14, 15, along with verse 16, we are looking at the community, the church community together. We are one bride of Christ, and we're talking about that and preaching about it uh, during these days in January as we lay this uh, in front of us. First Timothy chapter 3, I'll read verse 14 and 15, and then you join me aloud together in unison on verse 16. Hear now the word of our great God. I'm writing these things to you hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write to you, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And now all together, by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Father, I pray that you would press this text to our heart, use it to bring us together, and then to send us out. We love you and thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated, please. Paul writes Timothy and said, just in case I'm a little late getting there, if I'm delayed, if my journey is delayed, he said, I'm writing to you so you'll know how that you want out to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of truth. That's our thrust for today, the conduct, the conduct, how one should conduct himself in the church community. I read that the human body has 206 bones in it. Some say 207. And then there is a small group that says there are a few more than that at about 230. But most fall on that 206 bones. Most would agree that children, when they're born, have over 300, but some of those bones come together and you know they need protection. And so uh, that happens and then they fuse together. But uh, all of those bones, over 200, come together to be one body. I, I am told when I read that there are 650 muscles in your body. Now, for some of you, that is decreased down to about four, 450, or whatever. You get the picture. Uh, 650 muscles, 206 bones all come together to comprise one body. Well, such is the church, and the Lord calls the church the body of Christ, the body uh, of the Lord. In, in our verse 16, that common confession, that word, that means two words together, same saying, to say the same thing. That is our commonality, where we get our community, that we are one together. 
We got all kind of bones, but one body. All kind of muscles, but one body. I had planned today to highlight the ministry of Kim Waters, who has been here 30 plus years in our church, working in varied capacities. And uh, the last thing she has done has worked with what we used to call senior adults and some now call uh, mature adults. I think that's a misnomer from time to time, but uh, it's the older crowd. You, you get the picture. And she is going Tuesday is her day uh, of transition. Uh, from full-time to part-time, and she's going to move into a role still administratively of helping us with some things pastorally, but going part-time. She's not here today because she's taking care of her mother in the hospital. It's been a lot of what she's had to do. John Dubois is going to step in and shoulder the load for uh, some of this older adult ministry. Well, that's a large segment of our church, but then on the other side, there is a growing young populace Uh, in our church as well. And we see that young crew. You'll see that in about three weeks or four when we ordain five new young deacons on a Sunday night when our uh, have our church gathering, our community gathering on that last Sunday night. I believe it's the 30th uh, of this month. And uh, we'll do several things and take the Lord's Supper. One of those is we will lay hands on these five young men. Uh, I had four deacons praying over me this morning, and they all prayed for those young deacons. And the reason they prayed for those young deacons is because they're old deacons. <laughs> Takes us all, the old, the young, and everything in between that we come to be the community of the Lord. It's what Paul spoke about in Ephesians 4, verses 4, 5, and 6, when he told us there's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, uh, who is, he's the Father of us all. He's over all of us. He works through all. And he works in all of us, if you're part of the body of Christ. It's one, one. We we are one together. So how should this body conduct itself? What, What is the behavior pattern of the church? My good friend, Dr. Johnny Hunt, who, by the way, is going to be here with us on Friday night, May 13th. It's Friday the 13th in May. Brother Johnny be here for a pastor's gathering that I've invited him uh, to, and I'll tell you more about that weekend. It's coming up. Uh, but about three weeks ago, he made a statement, and I've seen it posted place after place after place after place. This is what Dr. Hunt said. If you are a Christian, live like it. If not, change your name. <laughs> I like that. Well, you know I like it or I wouldn't have said it. If you're a Christian, then live like it. If not, change your name. Wow. Well, that's what Paul is saying. How, How should we live? How should we conduct our lives individually and together as the body of Christ so that we will honor our Lord and impact our world with the gospel? I want to show you three behaviors, there could be others, but three behaviors that 
uh, I want to highlight today of the way the church should be conducting itself, the conduct of the church community. How should we get along, if you will? Well, first of all, we should live, the Bible says, with the fear of God. Live with the fear of God. 1 Peter 1 and verse 17 speaks to us and says, if you address his father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, here's our word, conduct, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. While you're here, fear. Fear what? Well, you're to fear God. Uh, that word means awe. It, it means reverence. It, it, it speaks of worship. We should worship the Lord. We should fear Him. We should fall at His feet. God calls us to be a people of worship. And all together, we should fear the Lord and come in awe and worship Him. Hebrews 13 verse 18 speaks of our conduct being honorable. Pray for us, uh, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to how conduct ourselves, how conduct ourselves honorably honorably in all things. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 11 adds to that, not only honorable, but holy, since all things are to be destroyed in this way, what people ought you to be, but in holy, holy conduct and godliness. Amen. We, we are to be people of honorable lifestyle, holy lifestyle. We are to be people falling at Jesus' feet in the fear of Almighty God. You worship in awe and reverence. Timothy says to Paul, if you just turn the page in your Bible to chapter 4, you're in chapter 3 now, but in chapter 4, verse 13 and following, Paul says again, until I come, if I'm a little late, until I get there, Timothy, here's what you need to do. Give attention, number one, to the public reading of Scripture. Now, folks, listen to me. If you're going to worship God, you've got to get in this book. You, you must read the Word if you're going to worship. You come in fear of God and you fall. You read everything else. Read the Bible. We must come in the public reading of Scripture. Secondly, he says, an exhortation. Exhort. Stir one another up. That's my spiritual gift is exhortation. Sunday by Sunday is my job. When I preach, I, I'm an exhorter. Try to stir up the gift that is within you. Then he adds to public reading of Scripture, exhortation. Then he says, teaching, teaching. I'm not a teacher per se. I do teach, uh, but it's a little different getting down into facts and teaching the Word of God uh, in a different way. And I have uh, jokingly said that preaching is pouring it on, teaching is rubbing it in. Well, they both go together. And we do those things. But as you come together in worship, you read the Word, you exhort one another, you, you teach and then you don't neglect, oh, amen, the spiritual gift that's in you. You're responsible for some things. You don't just come sit and soak and sour. Your life is to hear, to be exhorted, and then let the spiritual gift that is in you go to work where you are. And he says to young Timothy, that spiritual gift came to you with that prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery and was uh, last Sunday night of this month, our presbytery will come and lay hands on these young deacons and we will set them aside and pray God's favor and power to be 
on each one of those. Until the Lord comes, let us be people of worship. When, when we come together, we are one. We are one. We are, we are to worship. Some of us are loud. Some are quiet. Some raise hands. Some fold hands. Some sing with gusto. Uh, some sing a little more silently. We, we, there's different ways. I understand that. But we are one together to lift up the name of God and fall in reverential awe and fear of Almighty God. How should the church behave? We should live with the fear of Almighty God. If you've never come to fall on your face before God, today's a great day for you to begin. Just to say, oh God, I, I worship you. I was reading in my quiet time this morning. The person said, that, uh, it was writing, the little article I was reading said, uh, I'm not demonstrative. He said, I don't shout a lot. He said, I think we ought to shout a little bit more. He said, just give it a try. So I just walked out to the door and it was still dark and I just, glory to God. Well, I'll try this morning. Maybe the birds are listening. I don't know. Did my soul good just, just to release praise unto the Father. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. Amen. Let the church first live with fear. The fear of God. Speaking of worship. But secondly, Add to that, not only do we live with the fear of God, we live with the forgiveness, the forgiveness of God. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible says, here's our word again, only conduct, there it is, conduct yourself, we're again talking about conduct, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Conduct yourself worthy of the gospel in a manner like that, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear Paul said, let me know that your testimony is this. You're standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. If you live worthy of the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is good news. The gospel comes and God forgives our sin. Listen to me now. If we're going to live worthy of the gospel, we must live in radical forgiveness. Radical forgiveness. The man that's writing the text is the Apostle Paul. He murdered Christians. Now he's writing the book. What changed? Radical forgiveness. God struck him. He repented. God saved him. And Barnabas went and got him. Because not only did God forgive him, but the church at Antioch forgave him. Barnabas brought him in and said, this is Saul. One good brother raised his hand and said, I don't know who that is. He killed my daddy. One sweet lady said, my brother was standing for Christ. And that man came with his hellish army, with a sword. They received him as a brother. That, my friend, is radical forgiveness. And the church needs a good dose of it today. If we're going to behave, we must learn to walk in radical 
forgiveness. Paul didn't always practice what he received. He took John Mark on a missionary trip. Mark didn't make it eight verses. Eight verses, and he bailed out. He went home to mama. We don't know why, we don't know, but we know he made it eight verses and left the deal. And Paul said, forget that. Old Barnabas took him. And later Barnabas came to Paul and said, well, we're going, let's try Mark again. He said, forget that. He'll never get back on my team. I'm done. And Paul took Silas, made a new team. Barnabas took Mark, and you never hear from him again until you open your Bible and read the second gospel. And Mark was radically forgiven not by the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, but by the guy that brought the writer to the table. Radical forgiveness. We must learn this. Because such were some of you, Paul said. We've all had to receive the forgiveness of God. He said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, we, we, we need it because some of you were fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and homosexuals and thieves and covetous and drunkards and revilers and swindlers. You, you were. But God washed you, sanctified you, and justified you by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Such were some of you, but you were forgiven. Amen. Now forgive ye one another. Mm. <laughs> Jesus preached the greatest sermon the world has ever heard. It's recorded in Matthew 5, 6, 7. Right in the middle of it is what we call the Lord's Prayer. That ends in Matthew 6, 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. World without end, amen. But then in verse 14, right after the prayer, he kicks off the second half of the sermon with two verses. For if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Amen. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. It's like if you've received it from Him, you've you got to give it away. Or if you're not giving it away, Jesus is saying it looks like you never have received it to begin with. Mm. So who you hold in the grudge against today? Give it up. Give it away. Don't let that old filthy bitterness eat you up. It'll give you an ulcer and you'll lose your witness. I was just a kid preacher. 
17. There's a man in our little town had done my daddy wrong. I knew he had done it wrong because I heard my father speak of it and then I saw the fruit of it and I knew it to be the truth. What he had done was not a good thing and it was an evil thing. And so as I drove down the road as a 17-year-old boy in my 60 blue Chevrolet Impala, I drove by that man's business and the Lord said, I want you to stop and go in and tell him you love him and that you forgive him in Jesus' name. And I said out loud, hell no, I ain't going. <laughs> There's no need to tell you I said something else. Cussing preacher. And I drove on by. I came back by that afternoon. The Holy Ghost said it again. I said, oh Lord, there's got to be an easier way. I went on home. Forgiveness is hard. But as I drove up and down that road, the Spirit of God would not leave me alone. Praise God. And the day came, I pulled in, and I went in and spoke to that man old enough to be my daddy, and told him I loved him, and I was sorry this thing had come up, and all this had happened, and that I forgive him. I don't know what he ever did with that. It wasn't my business to know what he did with it. My business was to do what God had dealt with me about. I don't know what he did with that. He didn't owe me anything. God didn't tell me to go wrestle him. God told me to go in forgiveness. I can't tell you I trusted him. Can't tell you I didn't keep one eye on him. But I went and offered all I knew by grace. I got free of that. I drove up and down that road the rest of my life and God never spoke to me about it. I'd obeyed what God said. But it wasn't the easiest trick I ever made. Dear friend, we must live with the forgiveness of God within our soul. Who you need to release today? Who? If you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your transgression. Blessed church, live with the fear of God. Now, don't miss this. You, you must learn the fear of God before you will ever display the forgiveness of God. You can't get that back. These come in order. There is fear in worship. Then there is forgiveness in loosing and loving one another. Amen. Mm -hmm. I came to be the pastor here 31 years ago. Lewis Carricker was on our staff. Brother Lewis died this week. Great guy. He's a lot older than I was, and I got here. We didn't get along. We didn't see it eye to eye. He didn't stay too very long. Another church called him. He, he went, and, but Lewis and I had to wrestle with some stuff. But we got that clean. Dear friend, make sure there's a releasing of that.
Let the church fear God. Let, let the church live in the forgiveness of God. Now, let me say to you, I, I don't know who you are here today, but if you'll come running to Jesus in repentance, I'm here to tell you this church will love you. They'll receive you. And if members here won't receive you, we'll get rid of them and keep you. Amen. Because that's the spirit of Jesus. The fear of God, the forgiveness of God. And then there's a third behavior trait. And that is let us live with the focus. The focus of God. It's found in Colossians chapter 4. Verses 5 and 6. Where he says conduct. There's our word again. Your conduct. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. That's our phrase. The way you look at outside, making the most of the opportunity and let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. We should live fearing God, forgiving one another, and, and then we must have a focus of the, the outsider. L listen to me now. If you're saved, you're in the kingdom. If you're not saved, you're outside the kingdom. If you're in the kingdom, you're redeemed. If you're outside the kingdom, you're unredeemed. It's what Jesus spoke about when he gave the story of the shepherd that had 100 sheep and 99 of them were in the pen, they were inside, but there was one lost on the outside and he didn't hang out all day with those that he already had. He went to hunt the one outside. That's his focus and that must be our focus. Go after the outsider and speak and live in such a way that... Hmm, your speech is seasoned with salt. Respond correctly and love them and bring them to faith in Christ. A couple of years ago, we did this here, and some of you are still doing it. It's called Who's Your One? I speak at these Who's Your One rallies for our North American Mission Board from time to time. I'll be with Dr. Hunt and one over in Mississippi here in March. And in that... First time I was ever there, I wrote some names down in the front of my Bible. These are my ones. These are the ones I'm after. Who's your one? Dear friend, if, you, if you're inside, you've got to be looking outside to try to get those outside inside. It's called evangelism. And so I have three names written in the front of my Bible. They're my ones. One I've been talking to just lately, hallelujah. One is there that comes regular and I've been, but they're not saved. There's a third name there of a man I've left it in my Bible who is dead. Just to remind me that hell is real. If that man did not repent, as best I know, he did not go to heaven when he died. I cannot light a candle for him. I can't pray him out of purgatory. Eternity is sealed when you come to death. Mm. We did the funeral for Robert Cochran here this week. On Friday, I was so glad to read in the obituary that his sister led him to faith in Jesus years ago. Amen. They talked about a sister, led him to the Lord. Before whose your one was a thing, he was her one. Mm. And she led him to Jesus. He's absent from his body, present with the Lord. He's in heaven today because of the gospel. 
God loves the lost. He sent his son for the lost. Jesus went to the cross for the lost. Jesus was raised for the lost. And when he saves you, he sends you after the lost. You're supposed to live in such a way that you're bringing the lost inside. You ought to keep a track in your pocket. I gather with our staff every Sunday morning, 7.30, and before we quit, I always ask the question, go around the table, who shared the gospel this week? Try to call them to accountability, not to embarrass anybody or be mean, but just to say, hey, if we're not sharing it, we can't expect the church to. So this morning, several went around the table saying, I shared here, 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 and here. Time to time we have one also, I had one I'd been trying to reach out to. Hey, beginning to come to church and be a part of that. Thank God. Friend, your job is to reach outside and try to get the outsider inside. And, and he says, let your speech be such as will help it. I received the greatest thank you note in the history of thank you notes yesterday I got a thank you note from my granddaughter I never received one before she did it all on her own her mother told me later they had a school assignment to write a thank you note and she decided to write me. I'm sure she wrote others. It was addressed to Dr. Ted Papa Trailer. <laughs> and inside she wrote, Dear Pastor. She never called me that before. Dear Pastor, and in brackets, Papa. Thank you for helping me walk down the road to know Jesus. I love you. Thank you. You do not have enough money to buy that. Our job is to live in such a way that we are having some influence on someone to come to Jesus. There's a man who was here for years, now lives in Tennessee, who sends me a book every year for my birthday in December. But this year he was late. He got busy, and it just came a few days ago. I've been reading this book. And in this book, if it is about the life. If I call the man's name, everybody here would know the man. It's a world figure. It tells his story from beginning to end. And early in this man's life, his daddy was mean, he was a drunk. But his mother loved Jesus. And while his daddy pushed him aside, his mother kept bringing him to church and telling him about Jesus. And he got saved as, as a young man. And he said it stayed with him all the days of his life. Everything Ronald Reagan ever did, he said, I always went back to that day when my mama kept telling me about Jesus. You see, when we get to heaven, 
It's Miss Reagan gets the crown, not the president. Amen. Because she saw an outsider to bring him on the inside. So are you living to get outsiders on the inside? He talks about our speech so much here. Don't be talking and living in this world in such a way that you're running people further outside. So last night, my wife gave me an assignment. I was to go to the grocery store to pick up the grocery order. I've done it many times. And so I pulled in, called the number, gave the name, said they told us it was ready. We got the text. And the guy said, we don't have that name. Maybe you at the wrong store. I said, no, sir, I, I'm at the right place. He said, well, I'm sorry. And he, sent, he said, I'll send my manager out. And the manager came. He showed me his list on his phone. He said, we don't have your name. It's not here. And I said, well, okay. So I put it in reverse and left a black mark out the door. <laughs> uh, and I got just 100 feet, and my wife texted me. She said, here it is. So I slammed it in reverse and pulled back in. So this time, I know where they keep the groceries. I just went in to get my stuff. And I met him at the door. He was still there. And he pulled the Taylor card. Misspell the name. T-A-Y. And I pointed to my groceries. I said, T-R-A-Y. There it is, four letters right there. Now, I had a choice. I could be an idiot or an evangelist. <laughs> so, well, preacher, what did you do? Well, what I did ain't none of your business. But what I'm telling you... <laughs> What, what I'm telling you is it's your language. If it is not salt and light, you will run people further from the gospel than you will bring them into the gospel. And our job is to reach the outsiders even when it's not going our way. If you can turn a bad situation into a gracious situation, you will raise an opportunity for somebody to say, I wonder what's different about that guy. I wonder what that lady's got I need. And we must live with a focus. That's why those of you that are online today and you, you're, you're watching and you've never trusted Christ, that's why we have this. This is why we do this. This is part of our focus. And if you need to know the Lord, just text me today at 94,000, and send me the word Savior and we'll reach back to you. It's one of our ways of reaching out. We'd love to know you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to lead you to Christ. We'd love you to be a part of our church. We'd love you to do that. If you're online today, reach to us at 94,000. If you're in this room today, in that balcony around you've never said yes to Christ, come today and say yes unto the Lord. John's going to sing a song, and when he sings that song, we're going to be standing right here. It's called the invitation. We invite you from the outside to come to the inside. You come.
You say, Pastor, I just need to come fall on my face and work. Come. I, I got somebody I really got to forgive. Just come lay that at the altar today. Amen. Maybe you come with a burden. Oh, my. Bring that unto the Lord today. But if you're here outside of Christ, need the Lord, and want to join this church, I invite you to come right here and say yes to the Lord. Just step out and come. Be the very first one. Come as a couple, a whole family, or just one somebody, you by yourself. You come and say yes unto the Lord. I'm going to verbalize a prayer. When I say amen, we'll stand up. When we stand up, John sings, and when he sings, you come. You come. You come unto the Lord. Come today to be a part. God's going to take you and you're going to be one of the bones here at Olive. God's going to add you as a muscle here to the body life of this local church. Come from the outside to the inside. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you for soul salvation. God, have your way in every heart in this place. My heart and every heart. I pray, God, that you'll get glory and honor in every life. Help the fruit of our lips offer praise and worship. Oh, God, to help our witness be stellar and spirit-filled. Have your way in every life now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're standing, singing, coming. Under the Lord, under the cross, under His church.